Do not touch me again. Then don't take my stuff. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Uh, adult content and spoilers? Doth mother know you weareth her drapes? This is beyond you, metal man. Loki will face Asgardian justice. He gives up the cube, he's all yours. Until then, stay out of the way, tourist. And now, binge mode Marvel. Your ledger is dripping. It's gushing red, and you think saving a man no more virtuous than yourself will change anything? This is the basest sentimentality. This is a child at prayer. Pathetic! You lie and kill in the service of liars and killers. You pretend to be separate, to have your own code, something that makes up for the horrors. But they are part of you, and they will never go away. And welcome to Binge Mode Marvel, proudly a part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Oh! What a great website. <laughs> I'm Mallory Rubin, editor-in-chief of TheRinger.com. Joining what me What a great website! I said it before, <laughs> I'm saying it again. <laughs> Joining me today. Yes. Now that he's finished expressing some... New insights about humans on Sanctuary. That's it's true. your favorite Loki enabler, Jason Concepcion. How dare you? Mel! Humans, uh, to challenge them is to court binge mode Marvel, where we'll be exploring the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Infinity Saga and the comic book lore that inspired it. As phase four of the MCU nears, please make the journey to New York with us by following this podcast on Spotify or subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. And please rate and review us. Give us the five-star ratings or we will open another portal. If you're looking to catch up on our prior seasons or listen to them again, you can find our entire archive, Binge Mode Game of Thrones, Binge Mode Harry Potter, Binge Mode Star Wars, Binge Mode Weekly for free exclusively on Spotify. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at binge underscore mode, a.k.a. the underscore, and join our Facebook group, which is just for binge mode fans, which is an excellent place to discuss your favorite S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier features. Mm. Don't forget to head to theringer.com slash shop to check out our binge mode merch. Comfy when you're playing Galaga at work. Last time on Binge Mode yes. Marvel, we chowed down on some delicious shawarma while discussing the Avengers ah! and concluding... The phase one run of Binge Mode Marvel. Can't believe it, Jay. Phase one already in the I books. Where is the I time gone? I, who knows? That's that's what Steve asks us every recording session. Guys, <laughs> where has the time gone? What happened here? <laughs> and today, before we begin diving into the phase two films, we're going to dive deep. Mm. Deep, 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 deep. Into Deep. your mailbag questions. 
as always here on Binge Mode, spoiler warning. Now, we can't be quite as specific this time, but just take it as a general spoiler warning. We will be going deep on details from all three phases of the MCU to date and the wider Marvel canon. We're going to talk about some other stories that we've covered on Binge Mode before. All of it. You've been warned. So power to 400% capacity because it's time to ask the underscore right after this. Steve, can you uh, you channel your... Your inner Jarvis here. I, th- I think we have some incoming from the binge heads. Ben Perez <laughs> at Benny Perez 15. <laughs> I love it. Writes, is there an MCU character who would be a better companion for Baby Yoda than the Mandalorian? Can't have Baby Yodes near those massive spiders and bounty hunters. Jay. Yes. This is exactly what we needed. An excuse not only to talk about our beloved Baby Yoda, who we adore, precious little peanut that he is, but also a reason to talk about the most recent Mandalorian episode very briefly here before we get to answering the question. What an absolute joy that was. I had chills the entire time. I shed tears. My heart is still racing. What was your favorite part? The Ahsoka mention? Oh, wow. The Ahsoka mentioned. Yeah, I just think it's like, I don't know if it's, I've become more cynical over the months or, or what it was, but I didn't, I didn't expect uh, a person saying a name to affect me in the way it did, uh, but it totally did. I was just so thrilled at the prospect of having two of my favorite Star Wars characters cross over from the animated side into the live action side. It's, it's just amazing. I, uh, you know, it's when Bo takes the helmet off and it's like the hair is perfect. The voice is already perfect, of course, but then, and then for her to say Ahsoka, it's like, oh man, I, I, I just couldn't, chills went through my body. I cannot wait. The only slight nitpick I have is like, okay, Let's start there. That should be episode <laughs> one of the season, right. you know. Yeah, um, but th- but that's it. It was it was thrilling. It was really thrilling. That's uh, that last point you made is of a piece with the general uh, Mandalorian alchemy. We so 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 cherish the best parts of the show, whether they be yes. the Ahsoka mention from Bo, yes, the the preciousness of little baby Yoda. That anytime then we're not getting those things, it feels like this absolutely devastating void. I, this is far and away my favorite Mandalorian episode to date. I, oh, I clearly, I, yeah. I was just floored by it. First of all, seeing Katie Sackhoff, our dear Starbuck as Bo-Katan, like obviously she voiced the character, we should say, yes. in the animated incarnation. And to see her there in the flesh, as you said, just everything about it was perfection. Hearing it's her perfection. Hearing her talk about the dark saber, like we got, of course, amazing. we saw the dark saber in Moff Gideon's hand at the end of season one. But hearing her say it, knowing that I mean, she's connect- looking yeah. for it, I mean, I was thinking back to sitting in the studio back when sitting in studios was a thing, and how we talked <laughs> about, well, what does it mean that Moff Gideon has the dark saber? What does this mean for Bo? What does yes. this mean for the Mandalorians? Hearing, hearing these Mandalorians who were in front of Mando say to him child of the watch because that was another thing we had talked about well what does it mean that he seemed to have been rescued by and thus raised by 
Death Watch, and of course, I mean, this is a whole other 90-minute discussion, but the the connections between Bo-Katan and Death yes. Watch is there's so, so much richness crammed in there so quickly. And then when we got There You Will Find Ahsoka Tano, I just like screamed and cried. And I, I can't wait. I absolutely cannot wait. Are we going to get Sabine? Will we get a mention of Ezra? The possibilities yeah. for uniting the parts of the canon that we care about so deeply are really revelatory. Now, before we move on to answering the question, Right. We should note that another thing that happened in this episode, the third episode of season two, the 11th chapter overall, is that Mando did <laughs> express a... Finally. Recognition. Finally. That baby Yoda needs food. And this Finally. was... Unbelievable mm, stuff from my long guy. Long overdue. I would say it was still drastically insufficient. Chowder for the little one and then... I, I, another note to the creators here, please never. I need fewer sea creatures on Baby Yoda's face and or swallowing like him. It. None of that. I didn't like, I didn't like the alien uh, face hugger connotation that that, uh, that that created. Yes. I hated that. Please protect hated him at all costs. No more of that. But he needs no. more food. He needs more sustenance. Yes, he needs to eat. He's a growing boy. A growing 50-year-old baby who needs He's food. 50! <laughs> And he's needs to grow. I think that we were in full agreement heading into this episode that in the uproar around Baby Yoda eating Frog Lady's eggs, again, you know, to be fair here, last of the bloodline, it was clearly stated. Right. But he's a baby. The fault was Mando's. He doesn't know. Yes. Watch your child. Watch. Watch the child who has been entrusted into your care. Feed it. So it then does not begin snacking on the children right. of a of an endangered species nurture him guide him please perhaps give him a name i i that's the child come on also stop leaving him with people who you don't really know yes. like again the frog frog lady and frog guy seem great and i gotta say the squeal that frog lady <laughs> let out when she saw her mate yeah, that got was me. one of the that most touching me. things i've ever seen in my life that, that actually got me all i want is for someone to one day squeal at me like that it's all i want that got me <laughs> Beautiful. It really got me. It really got me. They went through a lot of shit on the Razor Crest, in the Spider Cave, in the Hot Springs. But at the end of the day, stop leaving Baby Yoda places. What if the ship yeah, had jumped to hyperspace and Mando and Baby Yoda have been separated? What's he it's doing? Careless. All of which gets us back to the spirit of the question here, which is that he is not the best suited or perhaps there is someone better suited to be Baby Yoda's companion. Uh, yeah, I, I'll say this. So many mistakes along the way from not feeding the child to not watch. After the first time, baby Yoda, you catch baby Yoda snacking Mm -hmm. on an egg. Mm -hmm. Let's keep a little closer watch on him after that, because I got to tell you, folks. He's going to do it again. Yes, that's obvious. Yes. Stop turning your back when he's in the presence of the eggs. I I agree with you. And so it's just, you know, It can't be said enough. It's the fault. It was horrible what we saw Baby Yoda do, but the fault is Mando's and the adults around him. As it always is. Yes. And on that note, my pick for a superior companion, a superior guardian for Baby Yoda is the Guardians of the Galaxy, volume one, movie one Guardians. And here's why. 
there are a lot of different reasons. And it's kind of a cheat, right? Because I'm I'm definitionally picking multiple characters to be with him. But I think that's part of what he needs, you know? As much heart as we could take from the idea that Mando and Baby Yoda are a clan of two, shouts to the armorer, we miss you. I think our guy needs a, a, a few more examples in his life. Needs to be around more creatures beings needs to learn more see more examples soak up more culture yeah the guardians first of all this is crucial because let's not lose sight of the mission in season two find where baby yoda came from find his people if we can learn about his culture learn about his force prowess the guardians of the galaxy are explorers they're travelers who is better suited than the guardians to a be his guardian and to be traverse across the galaxy to help him find his home. No one. I like it. I like it. Now, more specifically, great blend of personalities, knowledge sets to help him learn, to help him develop. Star-Lord, you get that fun-loving energy, but also he's like sweet, right? More paternal than even he realizes. And of course, driven by the desire for family and for that special kind of bond. Groot, protection in a moment of desperate need. Let's say Baby Yoda's tuckered out from using the Force. Oh, yeah. Groot can wrap his limbs around Baby Yoda. Done it before, would do it again. Drax. Jason, what did we just talk about? Baby Yoda has a absolutely insatiable appetite. Drax loves a snack, always has a snack handy. Do you think he would shame Baby Yoda for eating a, a frog back in season one? No, he'd go find him more <laughs> frogs and he would do so gladly. Gamora, expert warrior, when we get to the point of Baby Yoda's training where he needs to learn the art of combat, Gamora, who better? Rocket, of course. I think this is important because while we are chief Baby Yoda apologists, he is, again, in the developmental stage and he does need yes. feedback. Rocket Raccoon will not hesitate to call out Baby Yoda on his unacceptable behavior when he does go too far. Their ship, the Benatar, I think can really captivate Baby Yoda's attention. We've seen how much the Razor Crest and its little knobs and bobbles mean to him. I think the Benatar would sub in very nicely there. And most crucially of all, they all know what it's like to be separated from family. That is the unifying force for the Guardians. You know, we can we can call back to Star-Lord's speech. I look around yes. at us and you know what? I see losers. <laughs> I mean, like, folks who have lost stuff. And we have, man, we have all of us, our homes, our families, normal lives. Baby Yoda has too. I think he'd fit right in. That's my pick. What about you? I like all your picks. I'd like to add these. I'm going to go Vision and Wanda. You get a nice family unit, right? Mm. But they're just always fucking up a storm. Yeah, but I think that they, (laughs) the history of that couple in the comics is one of a yearning to build a family. And I think they would really take to, to baby Yoda in that sense. And the vision is extremely powerful as is, uh, as is Wanda. They would, I think they would really just take to the mission of bonding with this child, protecting this child with everything they have. Next I go, I'll take a slight, uh, variation of your Guardians pick. I think Rocket and Groot specifically mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. the two that I would want taking care of Baby Yoda. Um, on the one hand, you know, Rocket, he's seen it all. He's not going to be thrown <laughs> by a strange right. creature with strange powers that he hasn't encountered before. He's he's about it. He's game. He has, uh, you know, been integral in raising Groot back from a twig 
up through his childhood and teenage years, both in the comics and in the movies. So I think raising a child is not going to be a big deal for him. And then Groot is, you know, Groot is, as you note, is extremely wise. You know, in the in the comics, he protects all the Guardians of the Galaxy by making this like wicker wooden ball out of his body and and like protecting them uh, against like intense flames. He's just extremely selfless, not to mention nigh immortal. Like all that has to happen is like a twig of him survives and you just plan it and you're back in business. Um, Frigga. Mm, like mm-hmm. let's Odin aside. Okay. Wow. Odin's got a lot of issues. We can talk about those in a bit. <laughs> Frigga is, has that motherly energy. She loves her kids. Does it matter that they are not biologically her children? No, she has the strongest emotional bond with Loki of anybody of the Asgardian family. And that's, that's a, that's a, a kid who did not come from her loins, so to speak. And I think she would absolutely love to take care of this little uh, poppet. Not to mention <laughs> the longer lifespans of the Asgardians. They're not immortal, but they live for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. This is a blip. 50-year-old baby, not an issue for her. This is a blip. I love this point. I mean, Rocket Raccoon, he's not going to be afraid to say, Baby Yoda! You can't force choke. Can't. Yes. But after a few years, who's giving that feedback? That's right. Frigga is going to be right there. And again, uh, you know, she lives for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It's not going to be a problem that Baby Yoda is, is lives to be 900. That's nothing for her. Do you want Odin around Baby Yoda, though? Do you want I, Odin I in the next really? I think Odin, I think Odin is going to be, listen, Odin is... Odin has never been one for raising the kids. He's not really going to be involved. Let's just call it, call it what it is. You know, he plants his seeds and he walks away. That's, <laughs> that's Odin's thing. So he's not really going to be uh, involved in it. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's busy with the fucking running of the realm as he sees it, whatever. The Warriors 3, I think, would be, uh, I think would be great as well. Obviously, yeah. you still have the ad, Sif, ad Lady Sif in there. Obviously, you still have the elongated lifespan. Not to mention Volstag has like 15 kids and a wife that he's never really around, but still I think he's got, he's... We call that the Davos. Yeah, in the, <laughs> in the comics, <laughs> he's great with kids. And, and, you know, those guys, they're just fun to be around. Hawkeye, again, another f- strong family unit. You're out in the countryside. Not a lot of trouble you could get into out there on the farm. There is the issue of the normal human lifespan and uh, Hawkeye potentially passing away before uh, Yoda is out of toddlerhood. But still, I think, again, Hawkeye has kids. He knows what it is to raise kids. He's not going to let uh, baby Yoda just eat trash or anything that's around. He's going to make sure he's fed. And I would do that. Next. Here's what, I, here's what I worry about with Hawkeye. We know that there are a lot of nefarious forces in the galaxy after Baby Yoda. Moff Gideon's out there, right? Yeah. I worry (laughs) that in entrusting Baby Yoda to Hawkeye's care, we set Hawkeye back on a Ronin course, where if something bad happens to Baby Yoda, God forbid he go missing for an afternoon, Hawkeye's just going to start slaying villages full of people again. I don't think it's going to be an issue, honestly. I mean, you make a good point about the the forces on the trail of Baby Yoda, but like... uh, you know, Hawkeye is out on his farm. He's got a lot of Stark tech security out there. 
you know, the Avengers take care of their own. If something goes down on Hawkeye's farm, you best believe there's going to be, you know, a god of thunder that arrives there within 45 seconds to make sure everything's okay. He'll he'll be fine, but I think it's a good note. And then finally, uh, Shuri, T'Challa, Okoye, and Wakanda in general. It's a hidden realm. It's up for debate whether Baby Yoda's uh, pursuers could even find it. Strong defenses, as strong as anything we've seen. And I I honestly think they would delight in raising this child. And I think Baby Yoda would enjoy it as well. I think, I, he, I, would, I, I think he would really love it there. A few more compelling crossovers in the entire pop culture universe to, to consider than Shuri and Baby Yoda. Sign me up immediately. Jarvis, give us number two. Jeff Blevins asks, Who out of all the MCU would make the best lover? The worst. This can include main characters, villains, side characters. Pretty much anyone and anything willing to give consent. How do we want to do this? First of all, the restraint it took to limit (laughs) ourselves to just a few picks here. I mean, we could have gone character by character. Maybe one day we will. I tried to cap myself at three. Three best candidates and three worst candidates. What was your approach here? Yeah, I did three uh, best, and then I didn't want to go too far with the worst. I think there are a lot of worsts, but just, but, uh, you know, I, I, I've come up with a handful of, of truly the worsts, and I think they're fairly obvious. My first pick, and I suspect you'll agree, mm-hmm. Natasha Romanoff, the Black Widow. Yes. You just need to watch any scene in any of the movies to see the instantaneous chemistry. It's everywhere, Jason. It's everywhere. The effect that Natasha has on anybody she interacts with tells us all we need to know. Also, think about the physical ability. We've seen that gymnastics if, if i must if i must if i must i think of <laughs> if i must think about the somersaults down the hall Fine, and then let your mind wander all right <laughs> <laughs> i mean never a dull moment with natasha i think it's safe to no, say no 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 ma'am <laughs> who's your number one Oh, my number one? Yeah, I, I agree. Natasha Romanoff, I think, I think. listen, incredible chemistry with Cap. I, I, we'll get to this in Winter Soldier, but I maintain they fucked off screen. I think that... <laughs> I think that... I think, I think uh, emotional connections are, are tough with Natasha. That's a good point. I think that that's the other thing, though. It's like, it's probably going to be a lot of fun no matter what, whether you have any connection. And then if you're, if you're fortunate enough, like think of Bruce, right? Somebody who actually has <laughs> achieved a real, meaningful, soul-deep bond yeah. with Matt. I mean, it's probably just a transcendent, life-altering experience. It's pretty good. Who's next on your list? Next on my list, Aunt May. This is an unbelievable pick. This is incredible. I love this. From Homecoming <laughs> and Far From Home, uh, we love Aunt May. Delete. I just think that the experience, the kind of plucky, 
joy she has. She has that little edge. You just know that she knows what she wants. She knows what she's doing. And your game will rise to her level. That's right. She knows herself. And that can help you discover yourself. I mean, you're talking elite company with Aunt May. Elite. This is just a fabulous pick. I love this so much. Yeah. I love this. No powers. Doesn't need them. Doesn't need them. What does she need those for? She's got the power (laughs) of experience. And I just think she's probably the best baby in the entire universe. My next pick is Mantis. And let me say something crucial for all the points that follow here. This selection depends upon both parties entering into this sexual encounter with a complete and shared understanding, right? I think that if Mantis found herself in that situation where she felt close to somebody, felt ready to take that step in their relationship, I think it would be an absolutely revelatory experience. A couple reasons why. One, we have seen that when Mantis bonds with another being, develops that closeness with another being that she gives so much of herself and helps that person discover so much of themselves. The other person, want to be clear, has to understand and opt into this encounter with an empath and know what that means, know what Mantis is going to be able to tap into. But if that person opts in, I think this could be a transcendent experience. I like it. Knows what you need. Knows what you want. You don't even have to say it. Just get right to that point of deep-seated shared understanding. Magical. Also, generous of spirit, you know, kind, a giver, not a selfish person or a selfish lover. And then, of course, Jay, the antenna. What can't they do? What can't they do? Where can't they go? Pliable. Let's find out. Um, A lot of possibilities. Okay, who's your next one? Final pick for best, Heimdall. He's seen it all in all the realms. This is ludicrous. I considered putting him on my worst, my (laughs) list of worst. He's seen everything. He knows what everything is. What's the problem? He's as informed and experienced as it gets. And with all that experience, what else do you get? You Mm -hmm. also get the peace of mind. No. That comes with. No. Knowing that he's always just on that bridge and he's not out there with a dirty dick from all nine realms. And you have to worry about it. You, You must be a more secure person than I am. And then most people are, because I don't think most people would have the confidence to enter into a sexual relationship with somebody who had the entire universe's real-world equivalent of Pornhub, uh, just on demand. Can dial it up at any point. Also, I don't like, you know, the the peeping aspect in terms of the personal, interpersonal dynamic there. It's his job. Unfortunately, it's his job. He's like the... uh, Here's what I need today. (laughs) Here's what I need today, Heimdall, my, my, my dear. And Heimdall's going to say, listen, I saw you masturbate three times already today. You're good. You don't need me. Go about your day. This is like my issue with uh, with Professor Xavier as well. I just think that, listen, if Heimdall, who has seen it all, decides to 
to be in a relationship, however brief mm -hmm. or however long with you, I'd be mm -hmm. like, wow. I must be special because Heimdall, again, has seen it all. He's seen it all. So I would take it as a compliment to myself. <laughs> I suppose that's one way of looking at it. It would be quite flattering, yeah. but I, I'm not into it. it. It makes me feel weird. I can't get on board. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't. Here's my third pick. Sam Wilson. Okay. Falcon, new cap. I feel sure that Sam Wilson is good in bed. Sure. The fluidity with which Sam Wilson moves about the world. I think that Sam ports over everything he's learned about the physics and the feel of flight mm. and brings that into the bedroom with him. And I think it's wonderful. Why, why may I ask, did you not pick uh, the White Wolf, the Winter Soldier? <laughs> The one-armed bandit himself. So I thought about it a lot. <laughs> I think that while Bucky is incredibly good looking. Yeah. I have some questions about, about Bucky's prowess as a lover. The question was best. You, yeah, that's, I guess you're I right. just I just don't know that, that there's a case to say top three. I mean, it, my guy was brainwashed for decades. Was he really discovering himself and how to please another person? I don't know. Very, don't know. very, very, very tough stuff for my guy. <laughs> Worst, quickly. Sure. Again, as you noted, no shortage of contenders here. I don't think the a MCU yeah. is, is filled with adept like sexual any, partners. Any member of Hydra. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right, here, here, are my, here are my picks, quickly. Yeah. Hella. I think this would be an absolutely demoralizing, confidence-shattering experience. I disagree. Fake, weak, smaller than I thought it would be. I disagree. You'd never recover. Hella, step on my fucking neck and stab <laughs> me with your your blades. I oh I God. completely disagree. Would it be Would it be different? Would it be certainly not something that you'd want to engage in on a regular basis? Of course. But I think it would be a vibe. I think it would be an energy and Hella can absolutely get at me. Yes, that is, uh, to be clear, if that is your vibe and you are consenting as adults and that is what you like and what you want, that's great. Go do your thing. With Hella, it's just not for me. <laughs> it is for me. <laughs> I support you. I support you. I'm ready to talk about it with Hella, to be quite honest. <laughs> My next pick for worst is your um, your guy, Thunderbolt Ross. Fundy, Fundy Ross? I just think would be terrible. It's completely utilitarian. No tenderness. No affection. I don't know. I, I just am not into the Thunderbolt vibe at all. Can't imagine a good experience. I agree with you. Thundy would be a tough one. Uh, who do you got next? This is a funny one. Your next one is so funny. My, my next pick is Ego. <laughs> yeah, very tough. Here's the, here's the thing. Name literally Ego. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right there in the name. <laughs> Legitimately, like, his name is Ego. <laughs> love to try new things. Love a new experience. Personally, just not really into a celestial who is looking to use his human celestial <laughs> hybrid son to bring about his galactic expansion after implanting his seedlings 
across the entire galaxy. Also, should note, he implanted a brain tumor into a past sexual partner. Doesn't seem to care about the mortality of the people he is intimate with. Out on that. That was extremely uncalled for. Fucking ego. Uh, my worst, I'm going to go with Odin, who, listen, if, you, if you've been keeping <laughs> up with any of Jason Aaron's run, the Mighty Thor, the Jane Foster run with the Mighty Thor, where Odin has, uh, you know, frankly been a bad husband, a bad father, just a notably selfish guy, which is a theme for him throughout the years. I think Odin would be would be bad. And it, just look at just look at the way his his sons were sired. And I think, you know, everything you need to know about about our guy, Odin, not to mention he's just it, it, apt to fall asleep all of a sudden, just like in the middle of everything. Just, yeah, uh, you can't <laughs> just enters the Odin sleep straight, and then straight to the Odin sleep when he's awake and you ask him to return the favor. And he's just like, you're vain. You're vain, cruel. <laughs> yeah, I don't want that. I don't want any kind of Odin. Uh, <laughs> again, I, Tony Stark, unfortunately. Wow. Okay. I think Tony's firmly middle of the pack, but I'm I'm ready to hear your argument. You think he's getting yeah. better? I don't know. I'm going to go on the balance, like uh, on the whole, just a, it strikes me as a selfish lover, not to mention uh, probably hammered. Here's the thing about Tony, though. Not a perfect guy probably pre-Pepper. I mean, as as we know from from Maya Hansen's like, eh, when he said it was a memorable night, not the most memorable, ultimately. One night stand after one night stand, moving through women, probably very selfish, not super considerate as a sexual partner. I do think that Tony is so experienced that he's bound to have picked up some tricks. And Tony Stark is an inventor, okay? Wow. What's come out of that workshop? I'm just throwing it out there. What's what's in his bedside table? Wow, it's, uh, that's that's a great call. Thank I'm also you. gonna say, um, <laughs> basically anybody that works for Shield, Maria Hill specifically, gives me uh, like Amy from Veep vibes, where it's just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh where it's God. just like where Who's your her room. Dan? Where you're like rooming across from her and then all of a sudden you start getting the sex like nightcap, nightcap, question mark. I'm going to bed 10 minutes later. Nightcap, question mark. And you're just like, okay, listen, Maria. Uh, So I'm going to go any. So anybody that works for S.H.I.E.L.D. And then finally, like uh, obvious pick, but Arnim Zola, he doesn't even have a body. What are we doing? He's just he's a computer. I, I you know, I have to say, I thought you might pick Vision as one of your best. No, Vision, you can get it. Unfortunately, I think you can get a little too freaky with Vision. I thought you were going to maybe make like an AI Ash non-breathing fuckstick who won't quit comp. That's the thing about Vision is like he he is a non-breathing fuckstick who legitimately won't quit. He can alter his density and change his body, uh, his body shape. So I just feel like it would almost, the, the, the argument for not, having a sexual relationship with vision is it would be almost too it would be too warping of your like internal sexual mores like it would just be too weird wow no comp here i guess to 
to our exploration in the Binge on Star Wars run, you know, where we landed on Jar Jar Binks already wet. <laughs> He's already wet. No that's why like, that's the thing. If Namor, if Namor was in, if Namor was in this universe, mm. mm-hmm. Namor is already wet, <sighs> and the guy, he's arrogant, but arrogant in a way that says, "I'm going to make you. You're going to remember this. You're going to remember <laughs> right. fucking the king of Atlantis." Next question. What are <laughs> Jarvis? What's next? Give us number three, Jarvis. Atasoka asks, if you could have any Marvel characters' powers or abilities, what would you want to have? Oof. Tough one. A lot of, lot of candidates. I, I, was, I was interested in where I landed on this personally. I kind of surprised myself with this one, actually. Sure. I didn't go immediately to... You know, here's the absolute most powerful character. I found myself thinking about how I'd want to live my life, Jay. And yeah, we should I say as a ground rule, we're gonna we're gonna stick with MCU characters rather than opening it up to the whole Marvel universe because that would be smart. obviously a, a different consideration set. I was very, very, very tempted to pick Thor here, but I just don't think I could handle. Uh, as tempting as, as a life on Asgard or, or new Asgard is, as, as tempting as the prospect of being a god is, I don't think I could handle those moments when the thing I love the most, the most prized possession, my dearest Mjolnir deemed me unworthy. I would just be a broken yeah. thing and would never be able to recover from it. So I had to, I had to, I had to land somewhere else after that. And Jay, I landed on Bleecker Street. I'm going with Doctor Strange. Sign me up to be the new Sorcerer Supreme. Now, so you would be the Sorcerer Supreme then. So you'd have yes. the, the responsibilities of the yes. Sorcerer Supreme then. You'd be this defending, is, this is ultimately, defending yeah. Earth from, from uh, magical enemies from multiple dimensions. <laughs> I mean, it's a big downside. A lot it's of a responsibility. 24-7 job. And if I had these powers, you know, I've, I've always wanted to be a wizard, as you know. I'd love for Tony Stark to say in my presence to other people, dude, you're embarrassing me in front of the wizards. I I would probably just want to spend most of my time in this in the library, in the sanctum, reading up, learning new spells, learning my history, bonding with my relic. I I the the, the thought of would the same relic choose me if I got to become Doctor Strange? Would another relic choose me? What a wonderful thing to think about. Also, let's just talk about geography for a second sure. here. London, my favorite city in the world. New York, high up on my list. That's two of the three sanctums. I just, I don't need to be the fastest. I don't need to be the strongest, but I will work my magic. I will work my spells. I will master the mystic arts and I'll get to do so from Bleecker Street. I can easily go pick up a pepperoni pie from John's. Maybe a scoop from Grom. This sounds great to me. Also, I have enough gray hair already mixed in. I like that so a lot. I'm... You get the house, first of all, which is like, yeah. at this point, like a $40 million property in Greenwich Village, which, by the way, in the Marvel yeah. in the in the Marvel comics has, like, a, a, much like uh, Dario Agar, the CEO of Roxxon, is actually a half-magical minotaur. There was, like, a magical uh, gentrifier real estate agent who tried to buy Dr. Strange's 
house out from under him. Be that as it may, I think this is a great pick for you. I, you know, I've I seen Frederick kind of show lean... the sanctum on Million Dollar Listing New York. It's beautiful property. <laughs> he just like asks for some matcha, and some matcha just appears like in the air for him. <laughs> I think that um, I like that pick. I mm-hmm. would probably go with. See, the thing with Thor is we're forgetting that. All the Asgardians are basically superheroes. And and so I think I I might lean that direction where I'm just like, Mm -hmm. okay, and literally an average Asgardian, they're still like 30% as strong as Thor, which would basically make you a superhero. You could lift a building. You live for 10,000 years or whatever it is. And you don't... You, you have citizenship to Asgard, an ability to travel to Midgard and any of the nine realms where the Bifrost goes. And you don't have this job. That's the thing about Doctor Strange. Is it's like, oh, my God. It's like, what now? What, what, what magical threat to the realm now? And it's not like you can, you know, like, yes, Wong is there. There's other people that can help you. Yeah. But it's like you're Plenty kind of, of like, But it's like it's just all the time, all the time. And it would just be wearying after a while. Whereas an Asgardian... Yeah, nothing more peaceful and relaxing than constantly having Loki try to undermine and kill you. Sounds yeah, but great. Again, again, that's happening above your pay grade. That's Thor dealing with that. That's Lady Sif and the Warriors 3 and everybody else. Well, like RIP to them. But like, <laughs> you know, like theoretically, they would be dealing with that. You're just, you know, hanging out. And I guess... You're just one you know, of the regular people that Heimdall's peeping on. That's it. You're just one of the regular Asgardians that's like a fishing king crab now over in Norway. And that's it. Playing video games with Korg. So that's what I would do. And then if I guess if I had to be something else, I guess it would be uh, I guess I would give me the give me the original Erskine super soldier. Let me wear the khakis and get in the Vitaray cocoon and just give me that so that I never have to work out again. And it's just like the, I just pop out absolutely fucking yoked <laughs> without ever having to do any. I guess he does jog in winter. So he's mm-hmm. like jogging for like no. Imagine going down to like the Washington Monument and just watching no, Steve that's Rogers. That's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> Hello. Continue. <laughs> Imagine going down to that erect white monument. Uh, <laughs> Oh, sorry. The Washington Monument, I meant. Oh, God. And just watching Steve Rogers jog around it at like a fantastic rate. Incredible. So like, shoot me up with Super Soldier, I guess, would be my second. That would be my okay. second pick. So you the have origi- a lot of faith. Again, original you Super ha- Soldier. You have a lot of faith, though, about the compassion and goodness within. Because yeah, you're like risking a red skull, yeah. as, to quote you. My dear co-host, blown out butthole face. I'm not going to turn into the. I'm wrong. not going to turn out to the. I'm not going to turn into the blown out person. butthole. You can trust the process. I agree. Okay. That said, if I did turn into the blown out butthole, <laughs> the uh, the face mask technology that, it, that it's Mr. Sound. Schmidt is using yeah. is like it, it's a ast- it is astounding. It really pushes down those those cheeks mm-hmm. and that that it's pronounced true. brow. It's so it, you know, worst comes to worst, I put that on. But yeah, I don't think I'm gonna. Uh, that my soul would get buttholed in the way that Johann Schmidt would. <laughs> Your first answer, you know, having the, the chance to pick any car- character, any power set in the MCU and just saying, I want to chill on Asgard. 
really reminds me of in the Star Wars run when you we could pick any <laughs> ship and you, and you pick Dryden Voss's pleasure yacht. Yeah, it's like, are we trying to have fun or what are we trying to do? We're trying to have a great time. I'm out here like Millennium Falcon. Uh, I'll take the first light, the pleasure yacht. Well, I mean, listen, as we said, as we stated in that pod, Millennium Falcon, legendary ship, absolute shitbag. That thing barely works most of the time. Binge Mode is proud to be presented by FanDuel. Never played FanDuel Fantasy before? Great. FanDuel is offering users the chance to play free daily fantasy contests this NFL season. No deposit required. And this year, FanDuel is now offering daily snake drafts. Snake drafts are the simplest way to try daily fantasy. Draft live just like the season-long fantasy, but with winners every game day. The best of seasonal drafting with DFS all-in-one. Here's how it works. You find a daily snake draft. You draft your team live. The draft starts as soon as the contest fills up, and then you and your opponents will draft six players in a six-round draft with 30 seconds per pick. Nice and efficient. Unlike other FanDuel contests, there is no salary cap. Just sign up, and FanDuel will give you a free entry to a contest each week of the football season where you can win real prizes. Plus, for those who want to deposit, FanDuel is offering up to a five. dollars $100 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with their 20% deposit match. So go to FanDuel.com slash binge mode or download the FanDuel app to play now. That is FanDuel.com slash binge mode. FanDuel, more ways to win. Jarvis, number four incoming. Clark Ansley asks, if someone was looking to get into comics, where would be a good place to start? Wow. Wow. Okay. All Father Concepcion, I'm clearing out. Well, uh, a great thing about Marvel Comics in the last, say, decade or a little more is they've really made it easy to jump on at specific points with the various eras that they've had, and they've been clearly marked the heroic age. Etc. Things moving on since then. In 2018, summer 2018, they instituted a, a line-wide movement called Fresh Start, which uh, would allow anybody who wanted to get in to pick up any comic during that during that period of time, any number one, and basically start from ground zero with a new arc, uh, with a new creative team, and move on. It's like. Uh, it's, Amazing Spider-Man number one, Nick Spencer's Amazing Spider-Man number one is is well worth reading. Ta-Nehisi Coates' Captain America, need I say more? Like, anything you want to pick up from the Fresh Start movement, summer 2018, that's an easy on-ramp. Shouts to Sharon Car- Carter's Iron Patriot. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of fun stuff. Now, that said, that, that movement kind of reset a lot of the really interesting things that had been happening before that, so... Jane Foster as Thor. It goes back to, you know, Thor, Odin's son as Thor um, in 2018. Uh, Captain America becomes Steve Rogers again. So this, so if you want to get into some of the really fun stuff that happened before that, uh, specifically, let's talk about Thor. I think anywhere, starting on Jason Aaron's run on the title with God of Thunder, which God of Thunder one, which starts the God Butcher arc. Take that all the way up through 2018, 2019, and you 
will not you will not <laughs> find a bad issue in the bunch. Really one of the most legendary runs that's ever happened. I really feel like, first of all, God Butcher and God of Thunder is incredible stuff. You get multiple Thors all hanging out together, space sharks, one of the more uh, scary villains in, in Thor history. Then you go to Jane Foster as Thor, which is a spoiler, so you're missing out on the mystery of that. But it's there's so much heart in that comic, and I think you can make a strong case for Jane Foster Thor being, because of the reveal of, of the Mother Storm living inside of Mjolnir, kind of the strongest version of Thor ever. So good. Um, if you want to go further back, a lot of the stuff that happened um, early 2000s as Marvel was kind of climbing out of uh, bankruptcy um, it, it is really worth reading and is uh, a lot of the stuff that kind of set up where we are now. So um, Avengers disassembled into Brian Bendis's new Avengers runs are really fun. Uh, from there into Civil War, which really set up the next like five to eight years of Marvel continuity. So Civil War, which led to the kind of dissolution of our heroes, which then uh, led to Dark Reign in which uh, Norman Osborn kind of ruled over the Marvel Universe. Secret Invasion in which uh, the Skrull, it turned out, had been uh, very quietly invading Earth for some number of years. And then you had uh, Siege, which is uh, Asgard comes to Earth. Norman Osborn uh, lays siege to it. And that's kind of the, the storyline that ended up breaking his power as the kind of uh, regime leader of Earth's security establishment. All of that entire run of interconnected storylines is, is really fun. Check out Ultimate Marvel for both the Ultimates, which... Your mileage may vary on how well that's held up over the years. I think uh, I think that there's like a neo-fascist quality to the Ultimates, which is either conscious or unconscious. I, I can't figure out if it's tongue-in-cheek to this day, but it's certainly worth reading, and it's some of the most stunning art that you'll see. And it was very influential on the Marvel movies also. And then uh, Ultimate Spider-Man number one, Brian Bendis' Ultimate Spider number Spider-Man number one, um, which is an alternate version of Spider-Man, kind of a, a retcon of bringing Spider-Man into the modern age. That was kind of like the ultimate Marvel's marching orders were, how do we reimagine these heroes for today? You know, the early 2000s. So you get Peter Parker as Spider-Man, his death, and then uh, Miles Morales picking up the mantle, ultimate Spider-Man. That entire run is just absolutely amazing. And then Superior Spider-Man, into Amazing Spider-Man. So this is the run in which, uh, if you're if you're a Spider-Man fan, Doctor Octopus switches bodies with Peter Parker, and he becomes Spider-Man, and it's really good. I don't want to spoil too much of it because there's a real emotional quality of Doctor Octopus coming to um, empathize with and find. A, a level of respect for Peter Parker. And then Peter Parker gets his body back, Amazing Spider-Man number one, and then the more current Miles Morales is Spider-Man title. Those are all great places to get on. If you're keen on the X-Men, Jonathan Hickman's Dawn of X, House of X is really good, but super, super out there. If you want to play, if you want to 
storyline that's just like pick it up. It's got all the history of the X-Men in it, but it's also like a really fun and more modern story. Uh, Astonishing X-Men, the the original Astonishing X-Men run, which goes for four trades, is super worth your time. Are you wearing your Miles Morales Spider-Verse AJ1s right now? I am not, but I I would I love them more than anything. So jealous. <laughs> Those are so great. That was incredible. I will very quickly here share the perspective of someone who's much newer to the comics canon, obviously, than you are. And it, just in terms of what I found most illuminating, specifically heading into phase one of the MCU watch, like kind of as like a starter kit for some of the core characters. And at some point, we'll, we'll share your, you have a full reading list for each character. That's just remarkable. We'll share that with everyone on our social feeds. I, I, we've, we've talked about all of these uh, across our Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 2 and Avengers pods already, but the Demon in a Bottle run, the Five Nightmares run, and the Extremis runs, those three arcs for Tony and for Iron Man, I felt like I had the knowledge that I needed to not only enter the Phase 1 rewatch, but to then dive into a much wider exploration of, of Tony's comics canon. Totally different vibes, different aspects of his character, different aspects of the tech. I loved them. For Hulk, this has probably been my favorite reading experience so far, yeah. the Hulk comics. I've just had so much fun with it. I absolutely loved Hulk Gray, the six-issue run from 2003, 2004. Beautiful art. The a tenderness. Yeah, there's a real tenderness sweet rabbit, there. Jason. I, I still no, am not... <laughs> emotionally recovered from that. Obviously, Planet Hulk and World War Hulk, I think anybody with even the, the smallest awareness of, of comics history knows that those are you know titanically important issues. So I, I would recommend that anybody who's looking to seriously get into the, the comics uh, read those. I mean, I, I thought reading Planet Hulk was some of the most fun that I've had reading anything. It was just an absolute delight. If you're like me and you have a quarantine carpal tunnel and wrist pain, I would recommend checking that out on an e-reader as opposed to holding the like 75-pound hardback <laughs> bound issue that my husband has in our home. And you already mentioned the Jason Aaron Got a Thunder run and the and the Jason Aaron Goddess of Thunder and Who Holds the Hammer run. I, I, I just thought those were so, so unbelievably gripping. Yeah, it's maybe my favorite, maybe my favorite run of a, of a creator on comics of the last... 10 or 15 years. I really think like Aaron from God of Thunder to Mighty Thor to the Unworthy Thor to now, it's like, it's so high quality, so amazingly high quality. I just, I loved the th the three Thors across three timelines and I, I love that too. I love the whole gore of the God Butcher plot, the Necro sword. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the philosophy and the themes at play with Gore's character and the idea of godliness and what it represents in the story and what happens, of course, one of our favorite things to discuss in stories when you become the thing you hate. Yeah. It's just really remarkable. I loved it. So that's like a, from a pure, pure newbie starter kit perspective. Wait, let me add, uh, for, uh, there's two I, I forgot. So comics writ large are big on these crossover events, which are these huge, you know, universe-wide events that link together a number of titles in a central storyline. Um, and these are both really fun because you're uh, uh, leveraging all these characters coming together as one. What's what's what could be better? That's why you read comics, you know, for that Avengers Endgame moment when you see all your heroes together. But it's also a way, you know, to drive sales and stuff like that. But some of the I think two of my favorites of these 
that don't have a lot of awareness outside of comics readers are Annihilation and Annihilation Conquest. These are kind of two cosmic-centric um, crossover events take place primarily in space. Um, they were really integral into the formation of the modern Guardians of the Galaxy um, team. And it's just like rip-roaring stuff. Rip-roaring stuff. Huge galactic wars in space. Um, it's because it's cosmic, you're not really, they're not really bound by some of the Earth continuity. So it's just a really self-contained, super, super, super fun um, read. I mean, you've got the Guardians of the Galaxy, Ronan the Acu Accuser, the Skrulls, you know, Rocket Dude, McQueen, Ronan. Adam Warlock, all these really fun characters, take, uh, you know, just like fight duking it out there in space. Uh, highly recommend that those two. Jarvis? Alex Rosenwald asks, MCU Quidditch team, go. Okay, so we have to say, first of all, that we got a lot of incredible questions. As always, binge heads, you're the best. Yeah. I think far and away we got this question the most. We got so many versions of MCU Quidditch team go. How should we do this? Should we go position by position? Should we each run through our roster? Position by position, I think, right? All right, so we'll go position by position. Let's start with Keeper. Uh, well, you know my theory. You know my philosophy, my ideology on I like size in the back line. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going with Groot because he is <laughs> filling that oh goal. You're okay. not getting anything by my guy. And as Zachary Cram so helpfully pointed out in our outline, he doesn't even need a broom. He is a broom. He makes his own broom. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, now hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let's He's going to ride that himself. <laughs> He's not, he can't fly. Quidditch is an aerial sport. Right. He makes the broom out of his own like toe, right? Okay. Much the same way that he uh, made the handle for Stormbreaker. Then mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we get that, we get that enchanted so, like a broom so that it can fly. And then he rides himself. And then he's okay. able to like reach out and stretch out, and it's just you're not getting anything by this, my guy. It just sounds you're not like a prolonged. On him. This just sounds like a, like a prolonged allegory for the power of masturbation, and that's that's fine. But it's a it's extremely powerful. He can ride himself and then stretch out in glory. And okay, I here here's my concern with with the group pick. Tell me, you know I love Groot. Got my little Groot bobblehead right here. I do. I love Groot. <laughs> I, how dare you? I I'm love kind of, All right, okay. <laughs> However, keepers need to be able to move with a quickness. And one of the things that I love about Groot is that I find his relaxed energy very aspirational. Sure, I don't sure, know that sure. the reflexes are there uh, to move quickly enough to stop the quaffle. I don't know. Do you, I don't think you I have to. Know. Here's the thing. I am uh, making up for a, a certain lack of agility and speed with immense size and ability to create almost infinite shapes at size. So how big do you, how fast do you need to be when he can just make a net out of his entire upper body and stop the quaffle from all angles? But then he's too big to, to ride the broom. This is the problem you ran into no, with your see, Hagrid argument. Uh, again, he's I don't think it's going to be an broom. issue. It's not going to be an issue. The broom is, is extremely uh, robust. It's made out of his own body. I don't. Is it a this fucking is tree not, trunk? It sounds again, like it is. I don't think it's going to be a problem. 
He's just embedded in the ground then. That's your strategy. No. So just well, block. even if he was embedded in the ground and he just grew himself as a huge tree in front of the goal, no one is scoring on him. You're not scoring. Maybe you're scoring a couple times, but it's going to be very difficult. He's going to make it hard. And wait till you see who my beaters are. I just worry. He, he grows that quickly. Professor Sprout is going to go out there and start like pruning some of his, his branches. Professor Sprout is going to be more alive watching Groot work than at any point in time in the good professor's recent life. Professor Sprout is going to be so excited and amazed by Groot that I don't, what more needs to be said? What happens when Groot accidentally knocks out one of his own teammates with a flailing branch or uh, you know inadvertently knocks the the snitch into his own snare and then what well, then where when are you we? see when you see who my team a three is week I, don't, long I, match. I honestly don't i don't think that's going to be a problem my only concern is that groot and whomping willow strike up some sort of relationship and we can't get Groot back on the field <laughs> that is uh, that could this. happen that would be incredible <laughs> wouldn't it <laughs> sign me up immediately oh my god Wow. Okay, here's my keeper. War Machine. Hear me out. Wow. Also, I just want to say, if in the future the Fantastic Four enter the MCU, I want it understood. I, I get a redo, and I'm picking Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic. Well, I think, first of all, great pick. That is, again, the Concepcion size in the backline ideology no, it isn't. Here's yes, the thing. it is. <laughs> the, he, he, had, he possesses the, the quality that Groot does not, which is there's this elasticity and instantaneous responsiveness. He can, he can, he can be small, man-sized, uh, move with the quickness, and then boom, he can become a bench. Okay. The second I need okay. him to. Okay. All right? Well, I, I'm just but saying that. he's not that eligible I, I, for this exercise, well, so okay. it's moot. That's fine. <laughs> War machine. Yeah. Big okay. enough... You know, we're, we're like, if Oliver Wood was big enough to play keeper, then War Machine is. All is right? he flying on his own power or is he riding the broom? Flying under his own power. Thank you for okay. asking. This is part of the advantage. Okay. He doesn't need the broom. He No risk of foul play with bewitching the broomstick, okay? And, <laughs> and, Vanko's <laughs> dead. Hammer's in jail. Anyone, no you know, hacking, like, right? No hacking. No Killian, <laughs> blown up. Anyone who might be fucking with this suit is off the board. I'm, I'm fine there, okay? And he doesn't have a broomstick to compromise. The suit, he's one with it. He, okay. The way that Harry felt when he took flight for the first time, that's War Machine always, okay? Now, you may be asking, oh, all these things that you're describing could also be true for Tony Stark, Iron Man. Never heard of him. Why not pick Tony? Tony doesn't have the focus. Tony doesn't have the attention to detail. Rhodes is a soldier. And you'll notice a certain pattern across my picks. My team is going to function as a team, Jason. I okay. assure you. Okay? Okay. War Machine, in addition to having the suit that can allow him to move fast enough to block any quaffle, he's got some bells and whistles if he needs them, if things get out of hand. Don't think... <laughs> is that legal? ...that he will be above... <laughs> Give me the ex-wife another go. Right? <laughs> Dropping napalm on the other We have a lot of options, okay? Okay. I'll just say that. Here, let me ask you this. So, mm -hmm. yep. I think 
obviously he can fly under his own power. Turning on a dime is not necessarily War Machine's thing, not in the same way that it is Tony's. He doesn't hover particularly well. What happens if he overshoots the goal and now he's 200 yards out, he's got to turn around and come back? Is that not a weakness of of, of War Machine? Here? Here's, here's the thing. I, there's... I don't want to point, there is one weakness, but I don't, want, I don't want to point it out. I don't want to make your case for you, but there is one weakness. I'll just get ahead of it and acknowledge it. What happens if the suit runs out of power? Sometimes Quidditch matches are very long, okay? So this is the concern. However, as I've told you, <laughs> he's not riding the broom. He has a broom, though, and it's there on the ground. Should James Rhodes, a brave and loyal member of Mallory Rubin's Quidditch team, should he need to mount it? He can get right back up in the air while his suit is recharging. So we're fine. I believe in my keeper. All right. Okay. Here my beaters are, and again, size and strength in the back line. Thor and Hulk. This is, you should honestly should be disqualified from the exercise. Professor Hulk. He's too big. He does not fit on the broom. Because Hagrid, we know Hagrid can't ride the broom. He's too big. I disagree. And we've been talking about this We've been discussing Jason. this very thing since Vision Harry Potter, and I'm not big. changing it. I'm not changing <laughs> it now. And by the way, if if, if War Machine can fly under his own power, so can Thor. Thor can fly around with Mjolnir. Good Thor luck getting past this guy. He's going to conjure a storm and blow everybody off course. And no one is getting near him. Nobody's getting near the goal. Then you've got Hulk bounding around. I got to say. Oh, bounding around I, on the ground because he couldn't mount his broom. Could not doesn't. achieve flight. Could not achieve the base requisite for entering into a Quidditch match. Hulk can cross the continental United States in like 30 jumps. It's as good <laughs> as flying. And the thing is, if you have Thor oh zooming around, creating, okay. you know, zooming around with controlled flight, creating a lot of chaos because of the winds. And then you're always have to having to wonder, where's the Hulk coming from? Where's the Hulk coming from? Is he coming from below me? Is he dropping down on me? I Thank just you for think saying that. that. It's Thank you just, for saying that. It's just a you huge, huge advantage. Undermine your own strategy with that. About? I'll explain. <laughs> He's dangerous. He's a danger not only to your opponent, but to your own team. I know you said Professor Professor Hulk. Hulk. He's in control of his faculties. That's fine. He's too big and he's too strong. It's not safe. You're wrong. And it's it's not responsible. I'm looking for the danger. Madame Hooch will not allow it. Listen. You're like the Slytherins out there just trying to get go for brawn, brute size and strength. Is it dangerous? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm like Nick Fury, and I believe in my team. He hits the beater once, and someone dies. And okay. maybe somebody in the student section. Okay. Well, come at my team. I dare you. That's <laughs> what you're going to have to deal with when you come against my team. Oh, my God. Okay. Who do you have? Who do you have? All right. So I also have Thor as one of my beaters. You'll notice I didn't express any dismay over that selection. It's the clear pick. pick. Yeah. I think the fact that Mjolnir could could serve as a beater's bat is an Huge. incredible bonus. I mean, he he is he is he is one with Mjolnir. You know, I think of of uh, Sirio and Arya 
learning how to in the water dance lessons, you know, could you drop, could you drop a part of your arm? Like that's what Mjolnir right. is to Thor. But he also has the beater bat. So again, in a moment where Mjolnir deemed him unworthy, say he had been in a prep session with you talking about the total acceptability of innocent lives lost in the pursuit of victory, you know, deemed unworthy, can't lift Mjolnir. He could still use the actual beater's bat. My other beater, Captain Marvel ever heard of her. Yeah, she's great. Here's the thing. Doesn't matter if you like her movie, she'd be an unbelievable beater. Unbelievable beater. The strength. Yeah, the top speed, three, top three strongest uh the character durability. hero in the Marvel universe. She's ready. Who are your chasers? So my chasers, number one, Iron Man ever heard of him. For the same reason that you picked War Machine, they able to zoom around. He's got the he's got the most up-to-date armor with the nanotechnology, power. He's, listen, I don't know if you know this, but he's really the only name in clean energy. So power <laughs> is not going to be a problem with him running out of power. He can yeah. mold the suit in various ways. He can create a hammer with his hand, as we saw in Infinity War. So he's got the hammer. Captain Marvel, I'm going to have in there as a chaser. I think she's a little wasted as a beater, to be honest with you. Captain Marvel not only can fly under her own power, she can fly intergalactically. She can fly across galaxies under her own power, I think, as a chaser. That is just horsepower, horsepower, horsepower for days. And then finally, Spider-Man. The ability to sense danger, to sense when a score might be coming, to sense uh, when opponents might be around, it's huge. So agile in the air, constantly trash talking that's the other thing that i think you're missing with your team that ability to get mm -hmm. in the opponent's head yeah where the opponent's like god will this guy ever fucking shut up no he won't peter parker will not shut up he's gonna keep coming at you and he's wearing the stark tech suit so a lot of bells and whistles there he's got the extra legs you know, obviously, so agile in the air. Oh, he Doesn't can he, have I, he can use extra legs, but War Machine can't use the. I never the, said the that War Machine could. Suit. Well, is that legal? Tech, is a thing tech, you said. Hold on, tech in his suit, which is like launching missiles at opponents, <laughs> you, which is legitimately <laughs> you just the thing said you he was said. Scared if you killed a student. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm. With yeah, the but first, if the Hulk hits, if the Hulk hits the quaffle and it goes out into the stands. But he's hitting the bludger. He's not hitting uh, excuse the, me, the, he's the bludger. Hitting the bludger. If, if, he's going to kill the people. If the Hulk hits the bludger and it goes into the stands, let's put some adamantium vibranium netting up, okay? But that's not oh my God. that's not War Machine launch, like dropping napalm on the other team. Who do you he have? He just needs chasers? to blow up the quaffle. He doesn't need to blow up the people. All right, I just want to say something. I just have to make an observation. I think that okay. the idea of Tony and Peter on the same team is very nice. You have you have too many strong personalities. It's a mess. It's a mess. We want to overpower you. Iron Man, Captain Marvel, and Spider Man as chasers—they're all fucking ball hogs. It's not. That's gonna not work. true. Spider Man takes orders first of all from Iron Man and will take orders. Yes, he's Groot. absolutely never once ignored any directive from Thor Tony, and, and Tony Hulk. has never ignored any directive from anyone. Well, no, for, Tony is running things in that midfield. The thing you're forgetting about Thor and Hulk is how well they work together in Marvel's The Avengers, taking down Leviathans. They love working together. They love it. And I'm again, I'm talking Professor Hulk. I think this is a lot. There's a lot of synergy in this team, Iron Man. 
has uh, spent a lot of time with Captain Marvel, knows Captain Marvel, obviously is a huge uh, mentor figure for Peter Parker. I think my team has a lot of chemistry. I think you're discounting them way too soon. There is not a world in which Tony Stark is content to be a chaser in a Quidditch game when he knows that it's only about the seeker. He knows it. He's yeah, not going to well, do that's it. Big, he will He's do not it. When he, do sees, it. He will do it when you see who my seeker is. Okay. My chasers. I went again for not only individual skill and ability, which is unmatched, but I went for teamwork. I went for people who know how to function as a unit. My three chasers are T'Challa, Shuri, and Bucky. And you're not stopping them. The combination of it's a joke. the powers. Yeah, it's, it's a it's joke. It's an absolute it joke. joke. My you're team, right. My chasers are destroying you your chasers. You. Captain Marvel is stronger. I have Captain Marvel on my team too. I have Captain yeah, but, Marvel leaving right. a fucking bludger at your team and they're not going to know what hit them. Spidey's going to be busy dicking around with a Star Wars reference and my First of all, Captain Bucky, Marvel Thorland Peter unit is going to take him down. Spider-Man is going to whisper random words to Bucky. He's going to turn into a killer and go <laughs> run, run into the stands and start murdering people. There won't be any people left to murder because Hulk will have killed them all. All right, go on. C- continue. T'Challa, T'Challa, the Black Panther. Respect. Shuri. Nothing but respect for my king. Future Black Panther. Absolute Again. genius. Genius. Brilliant. This is the thing that you also have to consider. Not only how do they function as a unit, where's the strategy coming from? I don't think, and I, I mean no disrespect to Tony Stark or anyone else, I don't think your team can match my team in terms of game plan. How they're going to work together how they're going to influence and feed off of each other, but also what the plan of attack is from the jump. Because with, with, with Shuri, I, I'm, just, I'm just leaps and bounds ahead of you. Can I, I can I just say this? Can I just say this about Shuri, MCU Shuri? Let me yeah, just say this ahead. about MCU Shuri, okay? I absolutely love her. It's a little bit a, like a the top, coming, it's a to little God. bit like the top pick coming out of like the Euroleague or college where it's like, I got to see it on the field a little bit more. Okay. I think she, that's I, fine. They, I, I got to see it on the field. You can li- be the Sacramento Kings. You can be the Atlanta Hawks <laughs> and I'm content to be the Dallas Mavericks here. Thank you. I just need to see it a little bit more. I'm not sure she can handle the broom. Who's flying on this team? Both of them. T'Challa, again, on brooms, Shuri, can and they- Bucky are all incredible out in the field. That's the other thing. Thor strikes Bucky's arm with the electricity and the fucking thing just goes haywire. And next thing you know, you got a one-armed no, 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 chaser no. out there. Here's the thing. Bucky is... He's an apt. He could kill. He could go on a killing spree any second. Looks great in the Quidditch robes. <laughs> second of all. Second of all. All three of my chasers have not only the ability to work well as a team, not only the tech that they need, but they have the actual they have the actual physical Bucky, prowess. Bucky They're is gifted a good in the teammate? art of combat, and that would translate. He is his his loyalty to Steve Rogers was the only thing that broke his loyalty through decades of Hydra brainwashing. His loyalty to by the way, his I don't see Steven Rogers Steve. on your team. Steve Rogers not on your team. One, two, T'Challa spent a lot of time trying to kill Bucky. Two, three. 
again, and I hate to harp on this, Bucky's sanity is hanging by like a string of five random words. I believe (laughs) in the power of rehabilitation. Okay. Sorry. Okay. All right. Sorry. All right. My seeker. This is what it all comes down to, though. My seeker. Quicksilver. Mm -hmm. I can't believe that we're even questioning this. MCU Quicksilver? Yes. MCU Quicksilver. The guy can run faster than the speed of sound. My guy is in a news commercial for 20 minutes and then just fucking dies. Everything that's happened, every get, because he got fucking uh, shot down, saving people's lives. Here's the thing about Quicksilver everything happening, everything. All I heard is got shot down. Everything happening on this field is happening in slow motion for him. Slow fucking motion. You think he's going to have any trouble doing his job? It's like yes. a, it's like a picture yes, I do. that is just standing still. And he's like, is he's going to be running around like tackle dummies out there? He, I, it, I, ta- this is a this is a horrible pick. This Are is you, horrible. this is you're insane. He's out. He's going to see the snitch. He does, just, he's not. He's going to see the, the snitch. Time. Just how is he going to see the floating there? How is he going to see the snitch? Because he, he's he, constantly distracted by his own bad accent work and his bizarre. He now bizarre, you're getting personal. <laughs> <laughs> bizarre, weird outfit. He doesn't no. even have a costume. Now that you're counts. just. Now He's you're, basically. See, this is how I know clothes. that you don't have anything. You're just talking about my guy's fits, which is unfair. But I value, I value a good fit, and he doesn't deal, have it, man. Deal with the he fact that he deal with the fact that he runs faster than the speed of sound, moves faster than the speed of sound, and perceives everything as happening in absolute slow motion. He's looking at the field like it's a photograph. He's overwhelmed in key moments. He has not shown any aptitude. He saved 500 people's lives in Sokovia. Then why do we have the Sokovia Accords if he's so fucking good at things? Why? That's talk Tony to Stark's who? issue. So, I don't want to. Oh, I don't want to. Oh, I don't want to oh, talk to Tony right now. Is he on your team right too? Oh, okay. Is he on I, your team too? I don't want to talk to. Well, listen. If not for Tony Stark, mm. your guy fucking War Machine be butt ass naked in that goal. <laughs> Quicksilver doesn't have relationships with any of these people. It's not going to work. They don't like him. Wanda had time to build real bonds. He didn't. This is this is so unfair to my guy. Rest in peace to him. He died saving people's lives. He died during the course of this argument. He says everything. He sees everything in slow motion. This is like not even a problem from him. Catching the snitch. Are you kidding? He just run up on it and pluck it out of the air. Jog up to it. And he's got the snitch. I win. Jog up to it in the air? Yeah. You can fucking just jump and leap into the air. You can leap off of people's backs because they're so slow. He runs, jumps onto somebody's broom, leapfrogs off of that onto somebody else and then runs up and jumps up and grabs the snitch with one hand. He's so fast you can't even see him. He's not going to have a chance. Listen, because of, of my this. Who is your This is a, an absolute joke and I can't wait for you to say <laughs> this out loud. This is a joke. I can't I honestly can't wait for you to say this. This is a fucking joke. Who your seeker is? My seeker, and I will, I'll just, I'll take you right behind the curtain. First name I put down. This was the one clear pick. If we had done a draft where we had had to share from a common pool of characters, this would have been my first pick. Okay. Hawkeye. 
fine. You can laugh. This is back like in the superhero draft. What is he? When, what is he? When all of everybody was out there just like, oh, I'll take Batman. I'll take Captain America. I'll take Wonder Woman. All these shiny, glossy figures who are famous and adored. You know, do you remember how I won that draft, Jason? By taking Silver Surfer. You got to be able to go can a I just left say, with Again, it. Silver Surfer can travel between dimensions. He's got 100 yes, plus strength. He's I know. Like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Hawkeye But you don't is, need any of that to catch the snitch. What do you need? Hawkeye is a guy that, that watched the be Hunger honest. Games too much. <laughs> and Katniss would also be a great seeker. What do you need to catch the snitch? What do okay. you need? 99 times out of 100. You need to see it first. How's He's he going to get to Hawkeye. it? Hawkeye. My guy is running 10, like, my guy is running 4,000 miles an hour. When okay. when when Quicksilver is running himself into a, a, a dizzying, exhaustive state, Hawkeye, you know, you're Quicksilver. Well, what am I? Hawkeye, am I a regular man with a bow and arrow. <laughs> a regular man who is used to spending the bulk of his existence alone in a crow's nest, hovering above the rest of the action, monitoring. How did that work out? Did he, did he ever manage great. to stop anything or do anything? Did, last all, all time I it worked out great. He and got turned into a fucking it. zombie. Family one came time back, and then they <laughs> didn't have to die on Vormir. <laughs> Things are going great for him, okay? Last, last we checked up on Hawkeye, his good friend Natasha was whooping his ass in every single movie in which they fight. Last time we checked on Quicksilver, he was dead. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, but from saving hundreds of Don't, people's lives. No. If you Give look at his, if you break. look at his, his ratio of lives saved to any other hero in that movie, he literally saved like five hundred, like picked up dozens of people for every one that any one of the other heroes saved. Here's the thing: playing Seeker isn't about. The legions. It's not about the masses. It's about one. You have to catch the snitch. Hawkeye will What's see he it catching first. it with? I'm glad you asked. Thank you. My guy is a master, a master with the bow. He knows the angles better than anyone. Better than anyone. He knows how to move through the air. He knows how objects move through the air. He's not just going to see the snitch. He's going to be able to identify correctly the trajectory. Sees the vectors, right. the course it takes. She's going to shoot the snitch with his arrow? going to accidentally run into the fucking forbidden forest, and Hawkeye is going to get if the he snitch does that with an arrow net. Yes. Yes. See, there was only one other pick. Quicksilver could run into the forbidden forest 50 times a second and come back. He's going to get eaten by a fucking... By 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 crop or a giant or trampled by a centaur because he doesn't have any awareness uh, of what's happening around him. Okay, Hawkeye, here's what's happening. Hawkeye's flying around, he sees the snitch, he takes both hands off of his broom to get his bow and arrow out, and he falls off. Oh, let's say he has the thigh strength <laughs> to hold on to his broom. He takes that out, Thor sees it. Here comes a gust of wind, the arrow goes flying off into the air. Oh, come what on. What do we You don't think Hawkeye is equal to a gust of wind? Get out of here. Also, Thor's on my team, too, so my Thor can redirect the gust of wind. Get out of here. There was only one other pick. 
There was only one other pick for Seeker, and it was Spider-Man. That was it. Because not only of his agility and his speed, but the— That's a good pick. Instead, you picked a guy. Because I can approximate. (laughs) Because I believe in the power of a human being. I believe in the power of human beings. It's the the vision. It's the ability to see it and identify it. You got to get there first. You've got to end the match first. That's what it's all about. Listen, I I absolutely agree that he could say— which is in no, in the can't. MCU man made no, and manufactured. Can't. Yes, Spidey, he can. Spidey, Spidey. You, first of all, would sense it. Would sense the the golden snitch. Would be able to sense it, and then would be able to web it up. And not only that, but Spider Man on my team is like webbing up your air every time. Like fucking Hawkeye goes to pull an arrow out of his quiver. Spider Man's webbing no. his hand to you his sound quiver, like and now he's just like you. You sound like Loki. Okay, well, catching an arrow. Saying, smirking because you think you've won and then you know what happens? It blows up in your face. Jarvis number six. (laughs) Mike Imhoff asks, what is the best phoned in but good performance by an aging Oscar winning actor in the MCU? Michael Douglas as Hank Pym. Oh, that's Mm. uh, that's a disrespect there. How dare you, sir? the disrespect <laughs> to Michael. I got a uh, throat cancer from uh, Cunnilingus Douglas. That's right. How dare you? He gave it all for that sure performance. <laughs> Robert Redford as Alexander Pierce. Wow, mm-hmm. another another blatant mm-hmm. disrespect to my guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins is Odin. No need to read. The, no need to read the rest of the question. But if you insist, continue. <laughs> or William Hurt as Thunderbolt Ross. Okay. I, there's no doubt in my mind that we agree on this. It's this obviously the, the all-father, no acting required. <laughs> yeah, this is the man who coined the phrase, no acting required, and <laughs> defines his, his performance in Thor The Dark World, and the first movie, and Thor Ragnarok thusly. No acting required. <laughs> what else need be said? I don't think anything else need be said. I mean, you could do some impressions if you want. <laughs> there's, there's nothing else to say. He is just absolutely, as you noted in the quote from the interview that he gave during our Thor pod, letting the costume do most of the work. That's it. Puts leans his in voice with on. the eye patch, leans yeah. in with the armor, cashing those what? checks in the Odin sleep. Again, this is the thing. <laughs> This is the thing. Even if we had not gotten the no acting required quote, which is fucking gold. It's so incredible. He is taking a nap. His his part of the role is take a nap for a really long time while people reflect on their relationships with you. That's the definition of phoned in but good. And we respect it. To be clear, Tywin Lannister voice, I respect that. I respect that. (laughs) I gotta, yeah, it's, he is comatose in this movie. Like, just so subdued. You can see him thinking about uh, paying off the mortgage on his third home in Mallorca. Uh, Uh, There's no question about this. There's no question. And and I got to say, again, I think Michael Douglas was great as Hank Pym. I think he's he's hustling as Hank. Yeah, I really enjoyed the performance, and Robert Redford similarly. I really enjoyed the performance. Really slimy. Now, I, I will say guy. this about Robert Redford, who I uh, goes without saying, love. 
one of the originals and one of the best that there's ever been. I agree. He it, it does have a they had me for one day and really one afternoon vibe. I think it was like, yeah, it feels like it feels like it might have been two or three days, but I, I agree. It's like let's bang these out. Let's bang these Alexander Pierces out. <laughs> it's not quite the rock in the final season of Ballers where not only did they very apparently only have him for 12 hours, but Dude, because they only had him for 12 hours, they filmed most of the show in an airplane hangar. <laughs> it's, we, it's can't, that. We, can't, we can't talk about that enough. <laughs> it, I mean, it's, it's, it's absurd. It's <laughs> one of my favorite things to think back on. Oh, just unbelievable. I love it. You know, William Hurt, as -hmm. your boy Thunderbolt Ross. Pull back! (laughs) I think he's kind of going for it, actually. I don't know if he phoned it in. He puts the voice on, and he's doing the voice the whole time. So that, to me, is Raises the bloodied hand. (laughs) Raises the bloodied hand. I mean, some of the screaming. He's really, the way he says... My God, he's doing it! Like, there's some incredible <laughs> line readings by him in the uh, first Hulk movie. I, it's not until he's just there to like read a stack of documents and and scold Tony and Cap. Like, that's when he starts mailing it in. But in as far as we've gone right now, and overall throughout the series, Anthony Hopkins, it's like the most phoned in. Again, he invented a term for it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nothing but respect. Nothing, nothing but respect. But zero, and nothing but respect at all. I you, sign you me have up betrayed for it. the express command of your king. Of your king. Through your arrogance and stupidity. I love the way he says that stuff. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Through your arrogance and stupidity, you have opened these peaceful realms and innocent lives to the horror and desolation of war. Of war! Nap time. That's where he really lets it rip. (laughs) Peace. (laughs) And on that note. (laughs) That is my other favorite part. Maybe it like it's up there top 10 in the entire MCU is Anthony Hopkins just go like going nappy time on the steps. <laughs> Mid conversation, tough Mid chat conversation. <laughs> Just taps right out. What a guy! What a fucking guy! And again, Yay. now we're getting ahead of ourselves, but right, it's true. We can't lose sight of the fact that the way that this role evolves is from the Odin sleep, right, to. Loki impersonating him. Okay. <laughs> right. To just chilling on right. the cliff side and just sitting sitting on a rock. Never alerted anybody to his whereabouts. Thinking about life. Reflecting. Previous and, and like previous to that was in a magical uh retirement home in Manhattan as some weird kind of uh, some weird kind of spell that Loki had cast where he's just like sitting, he's just like a regular uh, elderly gentleman in Manhattan. Yeah, Loki. That was not a nice thing that Loki did, but he's complicated. Families, complicated. families are tough. The work he was trying to tell us. All right. Jarvis, number seven, please. Chris Monty asks, if Marvel had the rights to all of its characters from the beginning, 
Would the MCU today have been better or worse? Example, did not having Spider-Man or X-Men help them craft a better universe? Would there have been a Guardians of the Galaxy? I really like the way you just said example. Yeah, it's actually, I'm impressed. Pretty good. It's impressive. Impressive. (laughs) Impressive. Steven. (laughs) This is a really interesting question and a fascinating thought experiment that I don't actually have like a clear answer to. I I think it's hard to say, knowing what we know about how seamlessly they eventually brought Spidey, for example, into the fold, that having the most important, most beloved, most popular characters in the fold from the jump could have possibly been a bad thing. But it is, it's reasonable to at least ask and consider that that question, would that have inhibited some of the openness, some of the quirkiness, some of the willingness to try showcasing smaller characters like you know, the, the question gave used Guardians as an example. I would cite Ant-Man as, as another example that you could point to. In the course of the MCU run in real time, you're like, wow, they're going to try this. They're just going to see how much money they could keep printing. And then when it worked, it was so miraculous that they had pulled it off. And it, that, not only did they pull it off, but that it felt right. So I think ultimately it's, it's clear that Kevin Feige and co, you know, understood as we've talked about every episode so far and will probably every episode from here, not just how to make a good movie, but the spirit of the characters that they were showcasing and the right. spirit and heart of the stories that they were trying to tell. And so I, I, I think ultimately that because of that, because of that core understanding, it would have worked no matter what and that the desire to bring new characters into right. the fold would have been present uh, eventually over the course of, of later phases, no matter what. And that the end, at the end of the day, that mass swath of characters in the consideration set is uh, the worlds that you can visit, the costumes you can trot out, the powers you can display. That's that's a, as integral to the comic book storytelling tapestry as anything, right? And so I think in some ways it would always feel natural for a movie studio operating at the scale of Marvel Studios now to try to push in that direction. Not only to see where the, the money-making boundary is, but to see where the mm-hmm. creative boundary is. So I, I think that it, it would have worked just fine. But again... Hard to quibble with where we are. Yeah, it's hard to uh, argue counterfactuals. I will say that I think it would have, I think it would have been fine had they had all their characters uh, right at the start of this. Obviously, some things would have been different. You could, you would have imagined, as you pointed out, that they would have led with Spider-Man, the real big heavy hitters, and that would have changed the shape of things. I also think there would have been, uh, I think you would have seen more of a kind of director filmmaker culture early on, because you're talking about Spider-Man, you're talking about these big name characters. I think, you know, one could imagine like a director of the stature of like Christopher Nolan being like, Oh, I want to try my hand with Spider-Man directly with the source material. That said, I think the way that it shook out allowed for the best approach to win out, you know, the X-Men movies had been out there. And they very specifically redesigned the X-Men costumes to be black so they'd look cooler on screen. That that was matched in the comics continuity. Um, and I don't think anybody thought too much of it at the time, but the idea was like, oh, we have to make them cool for the screen. And, you know, that went on for a little while. And by the time Marvel had 
been able to enter the marketplace with uh, characters that were seen, you know, initially as B and C grade. It allowed them some space to to do the thing which really kind of hadn't been done, which is keep them as close to their comic book versions as possible. Make them colorful. Make them a little goofy. Like, lean into the goofiness when it is uh, weird and funny. Don't run away from it or try and uh, bring these, like, godlike characters or goofy characters uh, more down to earth by grittying them up. And so in that sense, I think it allowed what has clearly been the best approach to uh, have space to grow and to eventually win out and win out to such a degree that they got those characters anyway. It, they didn't need to start with them. Their approach is so clearly successful and is so clearly uh, resonated with an audience that is massive in a way that is remarkable for the history of filmmaking a worldwide audience and hitting it at the perfect time when IP and brands are really becoming the dominant kind of storytelling um, shows you that this approach, it's its hard to say that anything could be better than, where we, are. Um, than yeah. where we are, a machine that like literally mints money. I totally agree with that. And I, I think the other factor that we would be remiss not to mention quickly is just the casting ripple effect if things had been yeah. different. You know, yeah. all, just the, the, the one example that, <laughs> would prove any other example. Just think about Chris Evans is not Captain America because he had played the Human Torch in earlier bad Fantastic Four movies, and that IP and those character rights would have been ported into this universe. It's so it's such a good point, and also you know it's like <laughs> they absolutely listen Fantastic Four um, the middling to bad movies. <laughs> Imagine the casting what-ifs are fascinating. Again, that's America's ass, and there's only one. And it would be, it would be, you know, you couldn't see it through the flames. It would be horrible. <laughs> Jarvis, give us number eight. Vicky Mahoney asks, what MCU costume would you want to wear? And which would you least like to wear? You can specify your own parameters. That's wow. a binge head who really gets us. Thank you, Vicky. Yeah. <laughs> Man. I've got my I, answer. Do you have yours? I, let's, I, do, I think I have several answers, but you go first. Okay. I think we have to note for the record that Cram asked if, uh, if he could pick a logo-less baseball cap as his answer. That's which is funny. just so on brand that we had to share. I'm going with Peter Parker's first Tony Stark made Spider-Man suit. Stark suit one. Okay. The suit has all of the bells and whistles, incredible functionality, but it is not even a fraction as cumbersome as a full Iron Man suit. Because if you're thinking, oh, you want bells and whistles, just, just say you want to wear Mark 42, right? Right. No, thank you. Too heavy. Not interested. I don't need to be able to piss in my suit like Tony. I just need to be able to retain full range of motion. Okay. How would you, how fast, I can just see you flying it and being like, can I just fly it like 25 miles an hour? Do I need to fly 300? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of you to say that you can see me flying it when you know I would just wear it to sit on my couch with Halo. But be that as it may, once 
I completed the training wheels protocol. Think of what would right. be on offer for me. Reconnaissance drone, handy. You know, if Heimdall's not around and I need to take a look, <laughs> I need to, <laughs> need to be able to do that all on my own. All of those web shooters, myriad web shooters, I've got 576 combinations, some of them a little too scary, but that's why there are other options. Parachute, web wings for some gliding, loaded utility belt, x-ray vision, GPS tracking, highly durable material. And again, it kind of just looks like I ordered some new Lululemon, <laughs> as Adam likes to pronounce it. <laughs> Lululemon, you know, just some, some athleisure wear, comfy around the house. I'm not dealing with the Prague night monkey suit alt <laughs> mock-up that's tight around the web shooter, as Peter would say. This one was comfy. It was made to be worn. Mm-hmm. It was made, it was made for me to run and glide. I would never use instant kill mode, I want to say, unless I needed to protect Baby Yoda. I mean And here's the other thing. Instant kill is aggressive. Instant kill's a lot. This suit has Karen, and Karen just seems like an absolutely charming and indispensable, not only AI guide, but dare I say companion and friend, okay? Love Karen's vibe. Absolutely. And I think that the other thing about this suit is that it has that classic Spidey look, that look, not only the flexibility, the high-tech, the high-tech jazz, but it looks right away like Spider-Man. Like I was considering Iron Spider armor. I don't like because I don't love of it. all it can do, but I don't like the way it looks I, as much. I hate the I way just it don't looks. Like I hated it. the way it looks in the comics. I yeah. don't like the way it looks in the I don't want the legs. Like it's <laughs> the I legs are a lot. I, I get it. You're Spider-Man, but I, the connotation doesn't need to be that strong. I don't need you to look like a spider. That's weird. That throws me off. Sorry. That's how I feel about it. So that's my pick. What about you? You know, I, I feel like my 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 true superheroing days are over. I would have loved to wear any of the Iron Man uh, Mark 40 and aboves. That would be fun to do. That said, I just, it's too, too many eyes on you when you're wearing that. Mm-hmm. Draws too much attention. Yeah. Give me... Prodigal Sun Returns. Stark Tech Edith sunglasses from far from home oh boy you've got the full ai interface right able Mm -hmm. to interface with all the existing stark tech here and in space nobody's gawking at you it's very low pro it's casual you walk around with it but it's immensely powerful are you concerned that you would accidentally call a drone down upon your school bus Accident. Well, uh, uh, listen, there's going to be, I'm going to go through the tutorial mode. I'm not just <laughs> going to jump into it, understanding what the power of the thing is. And I would use it responsibly. So no, I wouldn't be worried about that. I mean, if I was in the <laughs> Iron Man suit, I'd worried that I would like repulsor someone, but just by testing stuff out, I'd repulsor the side of my house. What about the fear of just losing the Edith glasses? Well, that's stepping, big. driving I, them, stepping on them. That's well, I think stepping up. Listen, I Tony, when Tony builds it, he builds it to last. Okay. That said, losing it is a big every deal. one like of I, his suits basically disintegrates on his person at one point. <laughs> yeah, but that's taking tremendous damage, like getting okay. fucking punched by Thanos and having full loot like moons dropped on your face. 
I'm just saying, man, you're not, I, you know, I know you, I'm familiar with your shoe collection. You're not always wearing the soft Vapor Max. Every now and then you got a firmer sole crunches down. I'm not so much clumsy. I would a hundred percent like leave it at in and out or something. And that would be an issue (laughs) because then what do you do? That's, that would be bad. Yeah. So that would be bad. That would but be bad. so that would be, okay. that would be good pick. That's though. What I, would I like it. The eat a glass. All right. It's a good one. What's your worst? What would you not want to wear? For me, this is, this goes, the list is endless. Does hair count? Do you have to, do you, does, is, is it not just the costume, but is it the hair too? Like if I picked Ronan Clint? The answer here is clear. And I've already stated it on this podcast. <laughs> It's fucking Quicksilver's bullshit rags from Ultron. Bullshit rags. I mean, he, I'm sorry, he didn't have the fucking uh, full might of Stark Industries behind him to like build shit out for him. He was created by an infinity stone. Okay. And put into the field by a mass evil conglomerate. Again, Again, this is my opponent likes to do this where she doesn't answer the charge. What does his Yeah, okay, so it was Hydra. Like big deal. That has nothing to do with his costume. <gasps> I don't know. The Hydra folk are all about their propaganda and their branding. It's all Red Skull talks this about. This is about this is this is about the fact that you know everybody out there would rather have Quicksilver at Seeker than Hawkeye. This is what this is about. <laughs> I will say this, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think the rags are that bad. To me, well, isn't it Hulk pants? You know, the ability for an, an article of clothing to, to really move and grow and adapt with you, I think is kind of nice. What about, what about Groot where it's just, you're just nude? I want to go back to Quicksilver for a second here because I'm on okay. Google Images right now. I mean, let's and look at it. Right, let's look at crazy. it. Which one? He's just wearing just workout Google gear. But what's quick, the, it's not exactly, the worst. Exactly. <laughs> he's supposed to be fucking Quicksilver and he's in There's, the okay. second Avengers movie. The phase two team up. He looks like he's at a, a local Planet Fitness or something. What is this? It's what you have to wear when you can, when you run so hard, remarkably that, similar to my quarantine walk outfit. Remarkably, well, listen, I have a light this blue. Is, this is what you have to wear: joggers and ultra boost. And I want to be clear here: I know that Quicksilver was wearing Prime Boost, but I love a pair of ultra boost. Comfortable, durable. I, I just think you're you're but discounting like Silver. I just think you're discounting how utilitarian this needs to be. First of all, he least, is wearing it, what, what we, Cap wears under his uniform. Like in I those scenes it. when Cap is derobed and is just hanging out casually, this is the shit he's wearing. But are we talking about that you don't like the way it looks or you wouldn't want to wear it? Because you just admitted that this is what you wear on a daily basis. What if I said that I'm proud oh, that you would my dress. <laughs> Come on. You know me better than that. You know, but, but here's I, the thing. I think here's he a... should be mortified to be hanging out with <laughs> other superheroes wearing this. That's how I feel I, about it. Mortified. Okay. Well, here's Absolutely the thing. mortified. This is what you have to wear when you run so fast that the friction of the air against your body causes your molecules to vibrate. Okay. You can't just wear anything. You have to wear this stuff. No. D- hold, Jason, hold on. First of he's all, he's wearing a normal Scarlet person's Witch is jogging wearing a jacket. Outfit. 
She looks great. She looks like she looks like she just came out of like a Madewell seasonal sale. <laughs> I, I love that. Here's the thing. I'm glad you said that. He needs this, the molecules. He's going so fast. That's what's so confounding about it. Because I want to be clear. Anyone who's listening, if this is an outfit that you're rocking for your, your evening jog, good for you. You're a regular person wearing workout clothing. And that makes sense to me. Quicksilver showing up, <laughs> rocking this outfit is bizarre and embarrassing. He should be wearing high tech that is 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 made to enhance and protect him. Who's making it? Hydra! Yeah, but they didn't have a... He had switched. They switched. Yeah, Remember, take some got- of the shit with you. They didn't make him an outfit. Hydra. Also, he's wearing basically the same thing earlier. I just, I just think that, you know, I, I think he's got to wear something that moves with his body, <laughs> that moves with him. It was just one of those things where he needed something on short notice. <laughs> you oh know, we can't all be... We can't all be vision where our costume just forms out of our fucking atoms. You know what I mean? Like this guy's got to go to down to the fucking Walmart and and get some stuff. (laughs) It's not as easy for him. Come on. What about uh, Black Widow's is tough as well. Like the first one with the little the first Avengers one with the little the sting glow sting gauntlets. Um, I didn't love that one. Which is your favorite Captain America suit? This is an easy one. Oh, you're going to go beard cap. You're saying beard on the run cap? Yes. Yeah, that's that's my favorite look of his. Infinity War cap is... My favorite costume of his, I think, is First Avenger. But yeah, in terms of like the look is cap on the run. Obviously, it's also... It's tough to see him in the battle in Infinity War without his signature shield. You know, he has the new shields. So that part doesn't feel quite right. But I love the dark suit long it's pretty hair good. Thick, and that's lush beard that's right from the <sighs> as well looks great truly looks great when the, uh, that's one of those moments you know like we, we talk about it a lot on this pod but the like the uh the goosebump moments from the uh from inside the theater when cap shows up in infinity war holy shit catches the, yeah catches the fucking amazing. spear and there's a bump 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 i was just like Yes. People, people scream. It's absolutely Screamed. shrieked. Okay, Jarvis, Jarvis, give us number nine. Camsy, Camsy, Camsy asks: Of all the MCU sidekicks, who would be yours? Ground rules. Some quick ground rule setting. What, what, what counts as a sidekick here? Um, I say that any character that has not been in their own standalone movie. Does not have one announced currently. Black Widow doesn't count that movie's coming out. Of course, that's part of the part of the limitation with the label, I think, you know. Right. There's a connotation that this this character or anyone in the sidekick role is 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 only there to buttress somebody else's excellence. But I think I do think one of the 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 great things to the MCU's credit is that you know, as in any good story, the quote-unquote nominal sidekicks are often some of the most compelling characters. And when you get to learn about them, learn about their abilities, see how they not only can help elevate everybody else, but also shine in their own right, it's just one of the more rewarding parts of the viewing experience. And that's part of what I love about Shuri so much and part of why she's my pick. Again, has obviously all of the attributes to be the main figure. Of course, Shuri goes on to become Black Panther in the comics. But when Shuri has been 
helping others, just first of all, brilliant, a genius, right? You've, you've talked about Sherry's intellect a few times before on the podcast. Who wouldn't want that? The ability to work with those inventions to not only benefit from, but learn from, and frankly, just witness, be around that brilliance, that ingenuity. I think it would be electrifying. Also, Shuri is just a great hang. Fun, funny, and brave. Unafraid to enter the battle directly. Unafraid to call anybody out on their bullshit. Solves problems, pushes. A legend. Yeah, it's hard to argue it. Uh, You just get the benefits are immense. In the uh, Jonathan Hickman, Dawn of X, House of X books that uh, are ongoing now, Mutants strike a deal with the whole world that they will give them access to uh, drugs that like cure every disease, make allow people to live like much longer, and basically live like almost utopic lives in exchange for having nationhood. One of the countries that doesn't take the deal is Wakanda because they don't need it. You have access to that with Shuri. You've already talked about the incredible technology. You're talking about the the most technologically advanced nation on earth. I don't know how you go wrong with it. I, I also had Okoye, obviously very brave. I would have said Rocket and Groot because you could go to space and they're they're uh, uh, fun to be around and laugh with. And then Heimdall because of the ability to travel oh anywhere. Not obviously the peeping Tom <gasps> stuff is troubling and we can get into that. But the ability to just travel anywhere, but it's Shuri. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's I like, guess one it, of the nice things about picking Heimdall is that presumably if he's your sidekick and is on, on your side and on your team, he doesn't need to be spying on you constantly, which would be a bit right. of a relief. <laughs> That's really the only justification I can think of. Yeah. The other the other considerations I had, what about Korg and Meek? You know, the Ragnarok gang. And then not only, you know, the the, the bravery, the history, the shared history, the, the, the warbound, right, from yeah. Planet Hulk. Yes. That kind of bond is... I mean, look, it's complex and there's some darkness it, there, but it's it's lasting. I mean, when Thor is just in the thick of his malaise in in Endgame, who's right there on the couch next to him playing those video games? Kog. 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 <gasps> Delighting in his PS5 right now somewhere. Surely. <laughs> Surely. I, I also want to say, look, we're talking about characters here who can work wonders who can mm-hmm. create, who can use the magic of invention, resources. You know what one of the most magical resources in the world is, Jason? Friendship. Wow. And so I feel... I love I feel, it. I feel compelled to at least mention, as an honorable mention here, Ned may not have powers, but it doesn't matter because he is the paragon of the ride or die sidekick and in many ways the avatar for all of us so shouts to ned it's a good one it's a good one jarvis give us number 10 amanda bowser asks what are your favorite stanley cameos could you give a top three i can in fact give a top three here are my top three number one i just love the Avengers cameo, the newsreel footage, interviewing citizens, and there he is, Stanley himself. Superheroes in New York, give me a break. I just love the meta. Give me a break. I love that commentary. The guy who played such a central role in helping to create so many of these wonders, casting this doubt when they're on the 
biggest stage possible. I, I, I love that one. You can tell he had fun with it. Number two for me, the Ant-Man and the Wasp moment when Hope shrinks his car as he's about to unlock it. And he says, well, the 60s were fun, but now I'm paying for it. <laughs> love a, love a, like, hallucinogenic drug joke. Great stuff. <laughs> and number three, of a piece, actually, in a way, I'm noticing a bit of a pattern here in my picks. The Age of Ultron, drinking the thousand-year-old brew with Thor sequence. He calls Thor Blondie, which I love, and then mutters, Excelsior, as he's being pulled away, absolutely hammered, goes into full Thor Donald Blake. Hammer, hammer, Darcy. Yeah, we know you're hammered mode. And that one's a fun one, too, because he Stanley has said, he said in a 2016 interview with The Tomorrow Show that that was his favorite cameo of all of them to do because he got to be in two scenes instead of just one and in that interview he said so let that be a hint for the directors from now on so funny stan these are amazing it's it's funny the evolution of the stanley cameo it's like so goofy and so corny yet every time it happens everybody's like there he is it feels right even as forced as they are it's like how it's fun knowing that they're going to put it in there somewhere. Oh, my God. It's like one of the only constants in life. Yeah. So mine, uh, I agree with your top one. Super is in New York. Give me a break. The culmination of something really incredible, like the to, to measure the work of your career from writing like a failed novelist writing comic books to that comic book property being blown up on uh, movie screens that are playing around the world. It's just a a really amazing thing. Then I'm going to go with, this is cheating, but I loved practically the only good thing from the 2012 Amazing Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield, is the really fun fight in the school where Stan has, he's got headphones on and he's listening to music and he's like doing stuff like right here. And... Peter Parker and the lizard are fighting like across the, like throughout the library right behind him. And it's really fun. Definitely cheating by going outside of the MCU, but I'll allow it. It's cheating, but it's just one that I, I want to shout out because like those movies were not great, but that was a fun <laughs> moment. And then <gasps> Captain America Winter Soldier, where he, <laughs> I, I know it's kind of like a, a shorter one, but when he walks up and he's like uh, looking for the, the costume. He doesn't know where it is. He's just like, looks confused. I just like seeing him in costume in like a uniform. The idea that I think it's a real trenchant criticism of America in uh, the, in the teens and twenties that Stanley, who is like 88 or whatever he was at that time, I'm going to get a note from Zach Cram, but however old he was, <laughs> is still having to fucking work. He's still out mm-hmm. here fucking try earning a paycheck. Look at how old this man is. Stan. We should also note, of course, in talking about his cameos and the the through line that the Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame cameos from him are are posthumous. Yeah, sad. I also like when they did, like I didn't love the Iron Man ones. I'll just say that too, where they have him like. F. Yeah, all heft out. Come on. It's have some, portray him with some dignity. Okay. Well, friends. If it's all the same to you, we'll have that drink now. Thank you, as always, <laughs> to Steve Allman, 
Isaac Lee and Zach Cram are indispensable producers and researchers. And remember, if you're looking for past seasons of Binge Mode, past Ask the Underscores, mm-hmm. maybe, perhaps Binge Mode Game of Thrones, Binge Mode Harry Potter, Binge Mode Star Wars, Binge Mode Weekly, they're all available for you to listen to in full for free, exclusively on Spotify. We hope that you had as much fun as we did today. We always love and Ask the Underscore. We hope that you're as excited as we are to hop back into the Quinjet to explore the rest of this story and that you will join us again next time for the kickoff of our Phase 2 pods, Iron Woo! Man 3. Get ready for us, Trev. <laughs> Until next time, you've reached the life model decoy of binge mode. Please leave a message. Hey, kid! Yoda! <laughs> what, are you, hmm, what are you eating, kid? Eggs. Hmm. Go ahead and eat them. Hmm. Tastes good. <laughs>